1: This is a special presentation from ABC News Radio. Your voice, your vote. Countdown to the midterm election. Every time I go to the grocery store, it hurts. I want balance
2: in the Senate. I'm concerned about inflation. I'd like to have cheap gas again.
3: A woman's right to choose. I wish it was more based on what they stand for instead of dividing everybody the way they do.
1: From Pennsylvania, here are correspondents Karen Travers and Aaron Katursky. Good evening from Norristown, Pennsylvania,
4: one week from the midterm elections, which will determine control of Congress, the direction of President Biden's agenda, and set the country on a path to the next presidential election. Our White House correspondent, ABC's Karen Travers, dragged me here because this is where you're from. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're trying to convert me to the deliciousness of cheesesteaks and water ice, which I'm already mispronouncing.
3: You got it close, but I think I succeeded in the conversion, but also because Pennsylvania is such a critical place right now in this midterm election. And Pennsylvania voters have been pummeled with politics over the past several months. But right now, there's another storyline here that's getting Mm, all the headlines. You might have heard about this. The Phillies are in the World Series. There's a happy sports story that's giving people here a break from what's been a really, relentless and a downright nasty campaign season in this very critical battleground state.
4: And it's not just here in Pennsylvania. We're going to take you to a few different places around the country over the next hour to check in on some key races, some top issues for voters, and whether the polling this year is really capturing the mood of the nation.
3: And Aaron, outside Philadelphia, the mood really seems to be frustration. We need a fresh face, a fresh voice.
4: I don't want to hear anymore. I just want our politicians and everybody get to work.
5: I never thought that our country would ever get like this. We started at the Edge
3: Hill
6: Car Wash in Glenside, where Janique was vacuuming out her car. I'm thinking about the economy, I'm thinking about um, personal choice, and I'm also thinking about freedom of speech. That's a big issue to me. Tell me more. I think we're slowly losing our ability. To say whatever it is that we want to say republicans are are saying democrats should be quiet and don't say nothing or your views are wrong and democrats are saying the same thing about republicans no listen for one person to say the other person should shut up and be quiet. No, let them talk.
4: Janique is a nurse, and she spoke to us about voting in this moment coming out of the pandemic.
6: Back then, they all were saying nurses are heroes, and we need nurses, and we love nurses. And then now, especially in Pennsylvania, I can't speak for any other states, we're understaffed, overworked. And I'm like, where was where's all that energy from the pandemic? Where is it now for us?
4: Is your economic situation better?
6: It's been the same. It has been the same because I still have the same amount of loans, the same amount of debt, the same amount of everything that I'm still paying. So I don't see that anything has changed for me personally.
3: We went around the corner to a gas station and no surprise, the prices at the pump are weighing really heavily on people who are filling up their tanks. And we met Catherine, who recently retired from her job at the IRS.
7: Money's not going to increase, but everything else is increasing.
3: Is that driving your decisions now when you're voting?
7: I think so, but I know who I'm planning on voting for and who I don't really trust.
4: As a retired person, Mm -hmm. you're living on a a limited income, I would imagine?
7: Well, from what I get, my husband still works, so...
4: Is it going as far?
7: No, not with the price of the food and stuff. Everything is costing more.
4: At the next pump over, there was Chi. He delivers for DoorDash, and he told us things are tough right now. With gas prices high, his take-home pay is taking
7: a hit gas prices going up is like too much right now i don't know when the gas price to go back down but gas used to be under a dollar you know Mm -hmm. now it's like poof almost five dollars now how much does that hurt taking a lot out of our pocket yeah especially when when you're making deliveries you know you use a lot of gas you think any politician can solve it i'm hoping so (laughs)
3: <laughs> Politics are unavoidable here in Pennsylvania right now. Campaign ads are all over TV. Candidate signs are sprouting up on lawns. This is one of the most hotly contested Senate races between Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Mehmet Oz. We'll get to more on that later. But this was interesting. She told us he's not paying attention to any of that right now, but he says
7: he will soon. I'll be reading up on it later, but, um, but right now I'm not keeping track yet, so when I... When it's time to vote, I'll I'll look into it. Too busy living? Yeah, just living day by day, yep. That's him. Head across the street to the
4: produce market. We met Joan. She was picking out her mums and her kale for her fall porch decorations. Her mind is firmly made up.
5: I'm a straight-ticket voter, and I'm um, a hardcore conservative.
4: Joan rattled off her top concerns that are driving her vote.
5: Inflation, the economy, gas prices... Safety, too much violence, and George Soros that was behind all this Antiva stuff and the Black Lives Matter. They're the ones that brought the division and the violence into this country that we didn't have before. Are you feeling it here in, in your community? It's not here yet, but it's on its way, I'm sure.
3: And now Catherine, the retired IRS worker across the street at the gas station, she's also a straight-ticket voter. And she told us she's concerned about all the same issues.
7: The crime is outrageous.
3: How is it here where you live? In
7: Glenn- well, I'm right around the corner. I live right the corner. Pretty not bad around here, but, I mean, you got to go into Philly sometimes.
3: How do you feel about the direction right now of
7: the country? I don't think it's going in a good direction. I'm really not pleased with Biden. I really do like him, but I'm not pleased with him right now.
3: Do you have friends and family, people that might be thinking of giving... The other party, another look just for a change to try and mix it up so. a little bit. I don't
7: think they're, I they wanted... don't think the
3: other guys uh-huh. can do it any better.
7: No, I don't think so. After Trump, uh-uh.
4: we talked to a lot of people. I was getting a little hungry. It was time for lunch.
3: I wanted you to experience the best cheesesteak in uh, the Philadelphia area, which might be more of a contested issue <laughs> than the, any political race right now. But I did take you to Via Veneto, Dave. Your order's up.
4: Oh, it's delicious, and the lunch crowd at Via Veneto was pretty steady. A mix of regulars coming in on their breaks from work, seniors meeting up to catch up on on gossip and grandchildren talk sports, and of course, we ran into somebody that played football with your brother.
3: Yeah, Steve was here. This was not planned. promise you that sure it was just a coincidence that your
4: mother was here
3: that was planned but steve played football with my brother was here with two of his buddies that he went to high school with and you know no surprise they were talking about baseball but we steered them into talking about politics and the economy they were very excited talking about baseball they were less excited talking about politics right now
4: i don't want to hear anymore i just want our politicians
8: and everybody get to work. You know, today, it's you're either on the right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle, and you don't want to talk to the other side, and so nothing gets done. No one wants to compromise. Compromise move the country forward because I feel like we've been falling behind
3: Aaron one of Steve's friends said something that really struck me he said he is really looking forward to the election being over because he has what he called decision fatigue
4: you're coming out of a a pandemic you know and all the things that came along with that you're getting a vaccine you're not getting a vaccine you're sending your kids out or you're not sending them out are you going to work not going to work and now you've got inflate: am I, am I getting gas? Am I not getting gas? Am I going to take that trip? We don't need to be thinking constantly about what our politicians are doing or not doing. They need to start doing what they say they're going to do. Thank you for not making me decide what we had to have for lunch.
3: I chose for you. And I chose del- well. You
4: chose very well mm-hmm. and and it was fun to meet the owner of this place who of course is your old family friend.
3: Yeah. I've known him since third grade. You know, This is a place where everybody in this area comes for their Friday night pizza. And we talked to him about how hard it is right now to be a small business owner in this economy.
1: It's very hard because the um, price of uh, the products that we get, you don't know what's going to be from today to tomorrow. Years ago, we used to increase prices maybe every two years or longer than that. Today, it seems like you get a new menus and you feel like you shouldn't put a prices on it because you don't know what's going on from now to two three months from now again.
3: Have you noticed customers that? Maybe used to be regulars who say we're just kind of cutting back.
1: Some, no matter what they do, they go to the supermarket. The things are so expensive. Paycheck is not enough. But
3: if you're gonna splurge on something. You should splurge in a cheesesteak and a water ice, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, one of, one of the cheapest thing you could buy today.
4: <laughs> what a nice man Dominic, the owner of Via Veneto, is. And if you ever want to be treated like a king, just show up here with Travers because she knows everybody.
3: Almost everybody. But it's certainly great to be back in my home state in an election year. Always a very important place, Pennsylvania. Very critical battleground.
4: It sure is. And coming up, we're going to move from here in Pennsylvania down to Texas because Voters there are thinking about an entirely different set of issues when this ABC News special, Countdown to the Midterm Election, continues.
1: You're listening to a special presentation from ABC News Radio. Your voice, your vote. Countdown to the midterm election. Once again, here are correspondents Karen Travers and Aaron Katursky.
3: We're one week from the midterm elections, and if the economy is the dominant issue nationwide, in Texas it shares space with something else.
4: From Dallas, ABC's Jim Ryan tells us now how immigration is shaping not only a closely watched governor's race,
9: but races in other border states. On the day the Texans head to the polls, as many as 8,000 men, women, and children will attempt to enter the state illegally through its 1,200-mile border with Mexico. Some days the number is higher, some days it's lower. Behind the numbers are people like Maria Gladys Martinez who slipped into Texas between border patrol checkpoints with her two children, ages 11 and
6: 12. She
9: spoke of getting death threats in her home country of Guatemala and of the arduous trek north through Mexico and into Texas. Her daughter, Gabriela, said she couldn't walk any farther. She said it was the hardest thing she ever did, so the family surrendered to Customs and Border Protection. Their story isn't new, and the issue of immigration, both legal and illegal, has dominated the state's political conversation for decades, never more so than this year. To Republican Governor Greg Abbott, Maria Gladys Martinez and their children are not the oppressed, but the perpetrators.
10: I refused to stand by and let our state be overrun by criminals, deadly drugs like fentanyl, and victims of human trafficking.
9: His response can be summed up in three words— Operation Lone Star, the 4 billion dollar security mission involving more than 10,000 National Guard troops stationed along the border. The Biden administration has responded in a similar way, says Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas.
1: For the first time since 2011, the president's fiscal year
9: 2023 budget calls for 300 more Border Patrol agents. And we are hiring case processors. We are addressing this issue. But Greg Abbott's Democratic challenger, Beto O'Rourke, is not embracing the Biden plan either. He says the federal government has not done enough to secure the border. But Greg Abbott has also failed. Four billion dollars after he began Operation Lone Star. We're not seeing fewer encounters at our border as he promised we would. We're actually seeing more. It's, it's another one of his failures. Despite all the additional state and federal boots on the ground, a tractor-trailer loaded with dead and dying immigrants was discovered in San Antonio in June. Fifty-three people would die, and Fire Chief Charles Hood saw the tragedy firsthand.
8: I saw a young man, and he was covered up, but he had a uh, really nice pair of Air Jordans on. And you know that was his prized possession in life.
9: Immigration may be the backdrop to the 2022 Texas midterm, but the mechanics began taking shape during the 2020 general election, when then-President Donald Trump claimed...
1: This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election.
9: Legislatures in Republican-led states, including here in Texas, have responded with sweeping new restrictions, loosely labeled election integrity measures. In Houston, County Executive Lena Hidalgo says that, as a result, a slew of mail-in ballot applications were improperly rejected.
5: This is the very real impact of the big lie on Harris County and on Texas. And that's why we need the cavalry from Washington to join us by passing voting rights legislation.
9: But Republican State Representative Travis Clardy of Nacogdoches calls the new restrictions common sense protection of the process. In Texas, we have to have zero tolerance when it comes to voter fraud and on voter integrity issues. And so the measures we've put into place in this law are well-reasoned. They make sense. November 8th will provide a real-world test of the voting restrictions imposed after 2020 and of the importance of border security as a talking point. Nationally, only 5% of voters call immigration the most important issue, according to a recent Reuters-Ipsos poll. The same poll had 40% of respondents saying the GOP is best suited to reform U.S. immigration, while 32% say it's the Democrats. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas.
3: As deeply felt as immigration, the economy, or abortion rights are, it may also be that American democracy is at stake next week.
9: In
4: some races, the integrity of the vote is on the ballot. Never before have so many individuals who might oversee and cast judgment on the next election said publicly that they refuse to accept the results of the last one. ABC's Sherry Preston has more.
11: Republican Carrie Lake, who is running for governor of Arizona, makes it clear at nearly every rally where she stands on the results of the last election.
5: Anybody who was involved in that corrupt, shady, shoddy election of 2020, (laughs)
11: lock them up. And she's got a lot of company. That election was rotten to the core. Out of 552 Republicans it, right? running for House, you know Senate, right? Secretary of State, Governor or Attorney General this year, our partners at five thirty-eight say 200 of them fully deny the legitimacy of the 2020 election, and another 62 have raised questions about it. In many cases, those candidates are winning, says FiveThirtyEight's Kaylee Rogers,
5: especially when it comes to House races. There are more than 100 election deniers who have at least a 95 percent chance of winning, according to our forecast at this point in time. So and, and several more are in at least competitive races. So this is not necessarily been a deal breaker. You know, these are candidates that are in races where they're likely to win and they've already won the primary so they're basically you know they've done the hard work it's not just those running for seats in congress or in governor's mansions abc news legal
11: contributor kate shaw says there are numerous election deniers running for secretary of state an attorney general who, if they win, will soon be in charge of certifying the results of the next
0: presidential race. So you have secretary of state candidates who have basically said that state legislatures should have thrown out the votes uh, in states that went for Joe Biden and instead cast those states' electoral votes for Donald Trump. Um, And those individuals, could be in a position in 2024, not just to advocate that publicly, but to seek to actually implement that. And that's something we have never seen in American history, right? State legislatures, after individuals cast their votes, basically disregarding those votes and appointing different electors.
11: Libby Cathy is a reporter who has been embedded on the road as a part of the ABC News political series Power Trip streaming on Hulu. She's got an example.
3: Here in Arizona, on the Republican side, you have a man named Mark Fincham running for secretary of state. He was at the Capitol on January 6th. He's previously identified uh, as an oath keeper. And and a lot of people are concerned that he wouldn't certify an election or would also restrict the vote in election if his if this guy isn't winning. And, and it's also worth pointing out that the secretary of state becomes the governor in Arizona if for any reason the governor has to leave that position.
11: In Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, the Republican candidate for governor, said if he's elected, he will appoint a secretary of state to, quote, clean up what he calls election fraud that cost Donald Trump in 2020. Josh Shapiro is Mastriano's Democratic opponent.
7: How he's saying he's going to decertify
10: voting machines in order to pick The winner he wants next time.
11: Mastrano made those comments about voting machines on a podcast hosted by Steve Bannon, the former Trump advisor found guilty of contempt for defying the January 6th committee. All of this, of course, started with the former president, who we learned during those committee hearings had been planning to claim all along that if he did lose, he would deny it, which says Republican congressman and committee member Adam Kinzinger is exactly what happened.
2: He knew he had lost the election, but he made the deliberate choice to ignore the court's To ignore the Justice Department, to ignore his campaign leadership, to ignore senior advisors, and to pursue a completely unlawful effort to overturn the election. And while
11: many voters say they are most concerned about something else this midterm election. What issue is
12: most important to you this election? Um, I think inflation.
11: 538's Kaylee Rogers says for some candidates embracing the former president's false claims about
5: losing the election have won them more votes. It clearly is not something that voters are punishing candidates for. And in many cases, they're embracing it. This is uh, messaging that is coming from Trump himself. And as we know, Trump still has a lot of sway within the Republican Party and is very popular with Republican voters. And so having a candidate that embraces what Trump says, repeats what he says, maybe earns his endorsement by embracing those claims and bolstering them, that's not necessarily a negative for a lot of Republican voters.
11: Again, 538's latest count shows that 60 percent of all Americans have at least one election denier on the ballot this year.
3: ABC's Sherry Preston. Coming up, we're in Ohio to see how rising crime rates in one city could affect next week's outcome when this ABC News special, Countdown to the Midterm Election, continues.
1: Listening to a special presentation from ABC News Radio. Your voice, your vote. Countdown to the midterm election. Once again, here are correspondents Karen Travers and Aaron Katursky.
4: One week from tonight, the midterm elections at state control of Congress and state houses across the country.
3: Republicans need to win a handful of seats to take over the House of Representatives, which Democrats now control by a very narrow margin.
4: And as we've heard, voters are going to decide based on issues like the economy or immigration. And in Ohio, crime.
3: ABC's Mary Alice Parks tells us how rising crime rates in Toledo could affect next week's vote.
12: Before the pandemic, Toledo averaged about 30 homicides a year. That number doubled in 2020 and by 2021, 71 homicides in the city. An analysis done by ABC News found over two dozen cities around the country broke their own previous records for homicides in 2021.
8: I was raised on this street where my grandma taught me that in America, kids can dream big. But we had something then that Ohio kids don't have today. Safety.
12: Republicans from Ohio to Washington state trying to speak to those anxieties or maybe more cynically trying to capitalize on them.
8: Where 10 or 15 years ago, it was bipartisan to accept that, for example, that we should... Go after violent criminals and throw violent criminals in jail.
12: Republican J.D. Vance, running for Senate here in Ohio against Congressman Tim Ryan, has made crime a cornerstone of his campaign.
8: So let's declare war on the violent crime in our streets. Let's let the police go and do their jobs and let's support them as we do it. That's-
12: in his crowd, we heard a mix from voters, though. Some told us it really was not an issue where they live. But many said it was absolutely still front of mind.
10: I I do agree that crime is a severe problem, not just in Ohio, but
5: all across the country. So I am not seeing it in my very small community, in my rural community in Ohio. But I know that in the larger communities that there are issues with
12: with crime. In terms of polling, crime was listed fourth as the issue most important to voters come November in our latest ABC News Washington Post poll. But voters in that poll said they trusted Republicans to handle the issue over Democrats by 14 points. Again, part of the reason for the heavy campaigning. Tim,
8: fight the criminals, not the cops. I'm J.D. Vance and I approve this message.
12: Republicans have tried to cast Democrats as anti-police and have worked overtime to tie them all to that defund the police slogan, even in races where the Democratic candidates do not support cuts to police budgets. Defaulting to crime as
5: a political strategy is a relatively easy dunking point.
12: Leah Wright-Riguer is a history professor at Brandeis University and an ABC News political contributor.
5: It's one of those things that riles people up. It's one of these things that people gravitate to. I mean, who's going to sit down and say, no, I'm pro-crime? Nobody's going to say that. If we have a very policy-oriented conversation around crime... We also have to have a conversation around economics. We need to have a conversation around low-income communities, low-income populations, all of these kind of things that people are like, well, actually, I don't want to actually have a conversation about that.
12: Back in Ohio, J.D. Vance, the Republican Senate candidate, does not list specific legislation he would back, but talks broadly about backing the blue.
8: We need to hire probably 100,000 additional cops in this country. You need resources in order to do it. Uh, The second thing is we really have to protect police officers' qualified immunity.
12: As the pandemic has faded, there have been signs of progress. An analysis of crime data by ABC News and the Gun Violence Archive shows that after two years of increased shootings, homicides are down nearly 5% in our nation's 50 biggest cities so far this year. New York and Chicago have seen double-digit decreases, and they're down in Toledo this year, too. This group, living right here in Toledo and working on all the complexities that contribute to crime, is frankly frustrated by both parties. They feel used by Republicans, those fearful ads and tired tropes, but used by Democrats in other ways. Democrats have long expected urban centers to come out and vote blue, but they want to see answers, accountability and progress, too.
4: That is ABC's Mary Alice Parks. And back here in Pennsylvania, crime has also infused a Senate race that pits a celebrity doctor against the state's lieutenant governor who recently suffered a stroke.
3: Democrats have viewed Pennsylvania as their best chance to flip a Senate seat. Republicans see this as a must-win race, and they're now pouring money into it, saying if they win Pennsylvania, they win control of the Senate.
4: ABC's Derek Dennis on the race between Mehmet Oz and John Fetterman. On the campaign trail, Pennsylvania U.S. Senate candidates, Democrat John Fetterman.
10: I got knocked down, but I got back up. And Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz. Legal immigration, the way my father
9: came in and many of your relatives is it.
10: At odds over immigration, abortion, crime, fracking, health care, and more.
9: And he would support cutting Medicare.
2: and that's John, why that. do you say it's, that? It's, I've it's, never it's, said
10: that. It's one of many claims denied by TV's Dr. Oz at last week's televised debate sponsored by the network News Nation, a debate that gave voters a chance to see what Fetterman called the elephant in the room, the effects of his stroke in May that left him with lingering cognitive and speech issues. Debate organizers using big screen monitors with questions and answers Answers displayed via closed captioning. Challenges Fetterman addressed on the debate stage and at campaign appearances days later. I may not say everything perfectly sometimes, but I'll always do the right
9: things if. You send me to Washington, D.C.
10: Oz, for his part, has largely stuck to the issues despite members of his campaign deriding Fetterman over his stroke, famously suggesting he should eat more vegetables. Still, Fetterman supporters like John Abbott of Harrisburg remain loyal. First voice with my party. He's pro-choice. On the other side, on abortion, Dr. Oz says he's pro-life, though at the debate, he split political hairs framing abortion as a matter for states.
1: There should not be involvement from the federal government in how States decide their abortion decisions.
10: Then there's the nagging issue of Oz's residency and criticism. He's a carpetbagger, moving to Pennsylvania just to run for office after living for years in New Jersey. Voter Laurie Johnson giving Oz a pass.
5: We don't get perfection with candidates. We don't. We don't get to you know create their resume. Some things just have to go by the wayside as less important than other things.
10: The latest polls show the race has tightened significantly. ABC News political director Rick Klein notes Fetterman has lost most of what was once a 10point lead over Oz and his debate issues didn't help Not to make any judgment on his ability to serve in the Senate uh, or his uh, his ability to have his brain fully function there's no one questioning any of that it was just hard to, to watch those moments play out. The campaign took a risk in putting him forward at all. Fetterman relying on his everyman persona as Pennsylvania's tattoo and hoodie wearing tough guy lieutenant governor I'm gonna fight for everybody in Pennsylvania. Whoever got knocked down that ever had to get back up. While Dr. Oz is promising to disrupt the political establishment by trading the camera and microphone of his combined TV and medical career for the Senate floor on Capitol Hill.
1: We have a transformative moment in Pennsylvania history. We have to stop now. Derek Dennis, ABC News.
4: Coming up, the polls, they say a lot of things. Should we believe all of them? When this ABC News special, Countdown to the Midterm Election, continues. The first
13: ever criminal trial of a former president is underway in Manhattan. It's one of potentially four trials facing former President Trump as he makes his third bid for the White House. What do voters think about his culpability, and would a guilty verdict make a difference in the election? I'm Galen Druk, and every Monday and Thursday on the 538 Politics podcast, we break down the latest news from the campaign trail. We sort through the noise and zoom in on what really matters, using data and research as we go. That's 538 Politics every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to a special presentation from ABC News Radio. Your voice, your vote. Countdown to the midterm election. Once again, here are correspondents Karen Travers and Aaron Katursky.
4: We're a week away from the midterm, so we thought we'd check in with our friend Galen Druk from our partners at 538 The last several minutes, we've heard from a number of voters who told us the economy, immigration. Even the very state of American democracy are on their minds as they go to the polls. Is that about capture the mood of the country? What What is the top issue?
13: The top issue throughout this midterm cycle has been the economy and inflation. We've seen other issues bubble up throughout the year, in particular after the Dobbs decision. Abortion became a more important or more salient issue amongst the American public. That's faded a little bit since, to put that in perspective a little bit. Gallup recorded its highest number ever of Americans saying that abortion was the most important issue facing the country this year. It was 8 percent, so still not all that high. It's fallen since then back to 4 percent, and we've seen in polls increasingly it's the economy and inflation. If you want to apply that to who are people going to vote for, we see time and time again that on average Americans tend to trust Republicans more on the issue of the economy than Democrats.
3: Caitlin, let's kind of drill down a little bit more on that issue of abortion. Democrats are really hoping that their voters would be so fired up about the Supreme Court case overturning Roe v. Wade, that that would really drive turnout. But if that's not a top issue right now, did they miss their moment on that, Democrats? I mean, is that not going to help them the way they maybe thought it would a couple months ago?
13: I think the fact that we're even considering, for example, the race for the Senate to be competitive is evidence that overturning Roe v. Wade is impacting this midterm cycle. Not only did we see a change in polls over the summer, but we saw in actual special elections. So when people have to go out and actually cast a ballot, Democrats were significantly overperforming what we expected. That's fallen back to earth, but what we see now is more of an even split to a slight Republican advantage. That is not what I would have guessed if you asked me a year ago what the environment would be like. But Dobbs ultimately did change the landscape Like I said, things have come back down to earth a little bit more, but it's still playing a role in this midterms.
4: Galen, in your world, as you make your forecasts and analyze all the races, I'm curious how the data is looking to you. Is the the polling good or are there gaps?
13: Wouldn't we all like to know? So (laughs) a couple things on that. One, there is always polling error. In fact, you know, think about a presidential election. On average, the national polls are off by about four points. That's not even just recently. That's across history. So the polls are never 100% right. So we should always treat polling information with some skepticism and just understanding that there's always going to be uncertainty. In 2016, the rationale for the polls being off was that there was a big split in In terms of education, you know, voters who did have a college degree and voters who didn't and that pollsters weren't capturing enough voters who didn't have a college degree, who are, in fact, the majority of Americans. Only about 35 percent of Americans have a college degree. In 2020, the polls missed again, even though pollsters were trying to make sure that they had the right numbers of college and non-college educated voters. And that time sort of blamed it on COVID. You know, some Democrats were more likely to be home answering the phone, answering polls, et cetera, et cetera. This time, if the polls get it significantly off again, it will be hard, I think, for pollsters to come back. One of the underlying issues here is that for voters who don't trust institutions or trust the way that politics works, they aren't likely to respond to pollsters, but they may well still vote. And so if there is like a certain section of the electorate that just really doesn't want to answer pollsters, There's not that much you can do as a pollster to sort of like mathematically wiggle your way out of that. you got to just reach the voters. In 2018, the last midterm cycle, the polls were almost spot on. So there's some argument that maybe when Trump isn't on the ballot, the polls are more accurate. We're going to test that this time around. Really, in terms of whether the polls are off and how much they might be off by,
4: we're all just going to have to wait and see. All right. Broadly speaking, we're a week out. Who's going to win? What's the forecast?
13: One of the things we do at 538 is we outsource all of that guesswork and estimation to a rigorous model that is supposed to consider all of the different sources of data and information and reduce it down to relatively easily digestible odds. And what we see is that the Senate has a 50-50 proposition, while the House is pretty favorable to Republicans at the moment. It's about an 80% chance or higher that Republicans will win the House. That's understandable. Democrats only have a 5.5 seat lead in that chamber on average across decades. The party out of power has won about 26 seats in the House at the midterms. So five seats compared to 26. It's not really a tall order. But when it comes to the Senate, I don't think any rigorous person can reasonably tell you who will win. It's really going to come down to Nevada, Georgia and Pennsylvania. And all of those races are super tight at the moment.
4: We always learn something from Galen Drew from our partners at five thirty-eight. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Coming up, we'll talk to ABC's Jonathan Carl about former President Trump when this ABC News special countdown to the midterm election continues.
1: Listening to a special presentation from ABC News Radio. Your voice, your vote. Countdown to the midterm election. Once again, here are correspondents Karen Travers and Aaron Katursky. Former
4: President Trump is not on the ballot a week from tonight, but whether you're talking to voters or listening to candidates, Trump's presence is unmistakable. We're joined by ABC's Chief Washington correspondent, Jonathan Carl. And, Jonathan, these midterms really all about Trump?
2: I mean, they're not all about Trump, but, but there is a significant aspect of what's happening here that is about Trump. There are a number of candidates on the ballot, you know, people like Blake Masters, Herschel Walker, J.D. Vance, uh, Mehmet Oz, just to mention some of the Senate candidates that are there, have the nominations almost entirely because of Donald Trump. So, you know, he's either going to be the guy that can point to those races and say, I won, or uh, we'll be taking heat from Republicans saying if we had stronger candidates, we would have done better.
3: So, John, as we pass the midterms and and, then will he, won't he about another presidential run for Donald Trump, what do all of the other potential 2024 Republican contenders do in the meantime while you're waiting to see what Donald Trump does?
2: I can tell you, uh, let me throw a couple names out there. uh... You know, Mike Pompeo is clearly laying the groundwork and letting people know he's going to run regardless of whether or not uh, his old boss is going to run. Uh, Mike Pence is clearly building up for a run regardless of whether or not uh, Donald Trump is going to run. I think some of the Trump critics, Chris Christie, uh, Liz Cheney, uh, Larry Hogan, not that they, I mean, absolute long shots for, for, for a win in, in, in this Republican Party, but I think that they are gearing up uh, to run, uh, perhaps especially if, if, if Trump runs. So there is kind of that shadow primary out there. I, I would, by the way, even put Nikki Haley on that list, even though we, have, we all have video of her saying flatly that she would not run if Trump runs. Um, but but I think that they are gonna go and I think that Trump knows this and is leaning towards an early announcement again, if he decides to run an early announcement that could come you know within a week or two of of the midterm elections. In fact, I got to tell you one of somebody very close to Trump told me just about eleven days ago uh, that he was upset that the Republicans may be poised for big wins in the midterms and he wasn't gonna get credit and therefore was thinking about announcing even, before the midterms, days before people go to vote. I don't think that is going to happen, but that tells you the state of mind.
3: Okay, our favorite thing to do is to put John Carl on the spot and get a yes or no answer. So, what do you think? Is he going to do it?
2: I'm going to say yes, but I'm not, I'm nowhere near 100% on that. I, I, still, think a, I still think there's a chance that, that, that he gives us a head fake and doesn't actually do it, makes us think he's going to do it and doesn't mm-hmm. do it. But, but if, you have, if you pin me down, I say yes, mm-hmm. he's going to run.
3: Yes, maybe, but with (laughs) off-ramps. Yes, thank you. Thank you, it's good. (laughs) For you and for Donald Trump.
2: (laughs) Thank you, John. Thank you. Great talking to you guys.
3: We won't hold John to that prediction until after the midterm
4: elections. And we will be right back with you for that one week from tonight with special live coverage of the midterm elections. With Karen Travers, I'm Aaron Katursky. You've been listening to a special presentation from ABC News.
9: ABC news honored for the second year in a row with five murrow awards for excellence in audio including breaking news coverage abc news america's number one choice people who disappear without a trace Where is she? the most notorious murder cases in new york pure evil and the most devious killers
0: there's a hannibal lecter feel to him
9: for chilling true crime stories follow the true crime nyc podcast wherever you listen